There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Imri and welcome back to the Wannabe Podcast, the podcast that takes you from where you are to where you want to be in 30 minutes or less. Thank you for joining me today on this value-packed episode. We're back with the design special, Meet the Cartoonists. I'm joined by illustrator and cartoonist Eleanor Davis. Eleanor is the author behind the New York Times bestseller, How to Be Happy. She has also written You and a Bike and a Road, The Secret Science Alliance and The Copycat Crook. Her work has been included in five issues of Fantagraphics anthology, Mome, as well as the Horton Mifflin's Best American Comics in 2008. Eleanor has won the Eisner Russ Manning Most Promising Newcomer Award and her short story In Our Eden won the gold medal from the Society of Illustrators. In today's episode, Eleanor gets really honest about how she gets clients and how she works with art directors. You'll learn about how to price your illustrations and what book you should refer to for your pricing guidelines. She also warns you about the contracts you should absolutely say no to. There is so much good stuff in here, so enjoy. Who did you want to be before you became who you are and why? I always fantasized about being a much tougher person than I am. Um, Really unflappable and strong and confident. And that was very much wrapped up in in, uh, kind of my definition of success for myself. That that once I succeeded, I would also feel, uh, you know, really good all the time. Which is a strange a strange goal to have because there is nothing about my personality <laughs> to indicate that that would uh, ever be something that I could achieve. Yeah. Um, but I was very attached to that idea for a long time and I, and I can still slide into that uh, at times. Is um, that in like physical strength or in like kind of mental strength and resilience? Both. Okay. Yeah, definitely both. I mean, you I- definitely from the outside looking in I would definitely say that you are very 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 tough (laughs) thank you I I I guess that uh I've done plenty of things that I'm proud of and that are hard things but I don't do it um like I do I do them well weeping and quaking (laughs) (laughs) you know what I'm saying um not not a like I still feel scared and, and uh, anxious the whole time. Yeah. Uh, I've kind of gotten to be more accepting of the fact that that's just how I am and that's okay. I think that's part of the process though. I think not everyone goes through really tough situations, but you've done other amazing things, obviously. Um, you have several popular pieces of art and illustrations. You've done incredible comics and I mean, I guess in all of these amazing pieces of work, what would you consider your greatest achievement to date? I do lots of different kinds of work. I do a lot of comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done long comics and short comics and comics for kids and comics for adults. Uh, I also do a lot of uh, commercial artwork, uh, mostly editorial uh, for newspapers and magazines. Yeah. Um, 
I definitely think I'm best at making comics. Uh, probably the comic that I'm proudest of um, is one that I still haven't finished. Uh, and it's, it doesn't even have a title yet, but it's a 150-page um, graphic novel. Ooh. And it's totally roughed out. Uh, it's all sketches. And I'm, I'm still only... Um, I finished six pages, <laughs> so I'm like one thirtieth thirtieth of the way way through. Uh, but I'm I'm really proud of that, and I mean, kind of preemptively because it's not finished. But um, yeah, uh, I think it'll be the best thing I've ever done if I ever do finish it. Um, not if when you finish it, when <laughs> I wanted to speak about your work a little bit because a lot of people listening will be listening because this is a design month and they are aspiring designers and illustrators and cartoonists and something I really struggle with personally I'm not even an artist in that way um but is like how do you make a living from creating the art that you want to make as opposed to the art that someone else wants you to make and is that possible that is a very good question, and I the solution that I've come up with for it uh, um, works pretty well for me, and I think it's a pretty good model in our modern um, sort of the the design economy or whatever, which mm-hmm. is that I make uh, my personal work, which are my comics, and I do those for me, and they don't make hardly any money. Um, comics pay very, very little. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't even try to have them make money. The times I've, the times I've tried to do comics for money have been weirdly horrible. Because <laughs> 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 I haven't enjoyed them at all. Um, in what way, but, by the way? Uh, I don't know. It might, I mean, it might be like some kind of, it might be me like having to sort of compromise my work or. Uh, I think maybe with comics, it, it's strange because with my illustration work, I'm, I feel personally that I'm really good at working with art directors and, uh, you know, creating the product that they, that they want, uh, and that works for them. Um, but with comics, I don't like doing that at all. Okay. I don't like being edited. I don't like being, uh, told to change. I do the art that I want to make and I don't make a living off of it, okay. but I share it. And people enjoy it and like it and uh, art directors see it uh, and they, um, you know, it makes me stand out. There's a ton of good illustrators out there. There's so many good illustrators and I'm, I'm good, you know, but like, I don't know if my illustration work on its own would keep like keep art directors thinking of me you know like keep me on the top of their minds have you ever felt like there are some there's some work that you've been commissioned to do and you get through the process and you ever just get a block like a person for personal reasons it just blocks you like how do you deal with those moments if you've ever had them or if the direction that they set it out to be changes and it's not for you. Have you ever had those situations crop up? Yeah, I've definitely had challenging, um, 
uh, relationships or challenging interactions with art directors where they've asked me, you know, they ask for a lot of changes or they're very demanding. I'm kind of a masochist, I think. So often the more demanding an art director is, the more I love them and want to, <laughs> want to impress them and please them, uh, which is not, uh, maybe not super healthy, but, um, you know, I guess it's better than, than getting really mad. Uh, no, I, when I do illustration stuff, it's usually pretty like it's, it's work, it's a job mm-hmm. and I can do it pretty well. I, I do get tired. Like sometimes when I've been working a whole lot, I'll just get like exhausted and, and all my lines look ugly and I can't, I can't care. Yeah. And then it's nice to take a break and, you know, go on a hike or go camping or uh, do something that kind of is a little more rejuvenating. But um, but I don't get blocked. I get blocked with my personal work, but not with my professional work. Oh, that's interesting. What blocks you personally? Well, that's a good question, too. I, I guess I said that I get blocked with my personal work, but really what it is, I think, is sometimes I, I deprioritize it. Okay. Uh, and I don't know what that that deprioritization could be from, you know, I don't know, a lack of confidence or, um, or a lack of inspiration, but sometimes it's just that I'm, I'm letting other things in my life. Uh, okay. So I wanted to pick up on something you said a little bit earlier in that question about, you know, knowing that your work is good. How do you get to know what, what was the benchmark for knowing that your work was good um, was it just other people? Was it external validation? Or do you have like an internal check that you're like, nah, this is really good. I can send that off. I'm happy. How do you get to that point? Oh gosh, that's a really good question too. Um, I, maybe it's not so much that I can tell when something is, when, when a piece that I'm working on is good, but that I can tell when it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's something I'm pretty good at, I think, is is spotting flaws stuff and then fixing them. It's a combination of um, of kind of like having a, a personal standard that I have a sense that I've met um, and kind of and, it, you know, the external validation stuff does help. Uh, I don't know. I don't I think that when I was younger, I had more of an idea of like art being something that you that's just like a something you do for yourself do you remember actually what your first rate for like a commission piece was and how did you figure it out I I guess I started doing illustration stuff and I got a couple illustration jobs in school and I didn't really know and the illustration is it's so wildly all over the map Mm -hmm. you know uh you can do I've done little spot illustrations for $20. $20. I've done little spot illustrations for $500. I've done gigantic illustrations for thousands of dollars. And I've, I've, um, you know, done, done huge illustrations for, for very little. I'm trying to get, uh, better about turning down low paying jobs. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm just like, Oh, well that sounds like fun. I like the subject or I like this art director or this publication. Um, I have time, you know, I could use the 200 bucks, uh, but I'm trying to get better about recognizing the fact that when I 
undercharge. I'm letting down all of my peers. Uh, I'm, you know, undercutting um, uh, everybody else in, in the illustration world and, and devaluing all of our work. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's a challenging one for me. That's so um, interesting because I don't think I've ever come across someone that's actually thought about it in that way before. Mm-hmm. And I guess that can work across most creative industries, but yeah, not having when, when you charge so low um, and don't value your work by extension, it undervalues everyone else's as well. But I do yeah. wonder where this like Oracle of like, this is the rate that you charge. Like I really am curious, like who that person is that kind of sets the standard for what is appropriate pay for a piece yeah. of work. There is a, uh, um, I wish I had it in front of me. It's uh, called the Pricing and Ethical Guidelines. It's really invaluable. I'm still using one that's from like 2006 or something. Oh, wow. (laughs) But honestly, rates haven't gone up that much. And a lot of the time, the rates that they list in the Pricing and Ethical Guidelines are honestly kind of unrealistic. And, and people do charge less than that, but it is very empowering. Yeah. <laughs> it's very empowering to be able to open up this big, thick book and like, you know, run your finger down the list and be like, ah, you know, book cover, hardback, $8,000 or whatever. Yeah. Um, I know that a lot of graduates from creative schools, when they studied just maybe the design focus, um, they've said that not they, ne- they never really come out with the business side too strongly some people have had business knowledge given to them and some haven't so it's kind of a it seems like a bit of a lottery when it comes to the business of um, being an artist and an illustrator Um, and I know animators who have been paid peanuts and their work is insanely intensive and Yeah. yeah so I think it 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 is important to understand the business side more and more because yeah I do want to, especially for, for folks that are starting out, I I got this information and and a lot of this advice when I was starting out and, uh, um, I don't, I didn't take it as seriously as, as I wish that I would have. Uh, and I, I assume that most young people will not, (laughs) not, uh, (laughs) Uh, you know, but that's just part of, then they'll get older and then they'll be like, ah, you know, now I know. But, um, yeah, be, <sighs> look out for yourself with, with contracts, you know, if you're doing, uh, freelance illustration stuff and, and really, really try, do not do work for hire. That's something that, that, uh, I heard again and again and again from older illustrators, like, you know, your clients are going to try to get more from you, uh, than, um, than they're actually paying for. Uh, and, and I don't know, you know, like I was young and kind of like, Oh no, my clients, like, you know, this or that art director, they're a good person. Like, Mm. of course the contract that they give me is going to be a good contract. Uh, and art directors are good people and publishers are good people. Nobody's, I don't, I don't think, you know, I'm sure they're like, evil venal people out there but I'm not really talking about that it's just that they are going to try to most you know a lot of people are going to have you try to get you to sign a contract that says um 
I own your piece forever and ever, and I can do anything that I want to with it. You know, I can make t-shirts with it. I can uh, publish it a hundred thousand times. Um, um, So don't, don't sign those contracts. (laughs) That's Um, don't, don't do work for hire. And if somebody says they want to own all of the rights to your work, uh, tell them that, you know, you're going to charge, you know, four to five times more, um, you know, make them pay for, for, uh, those rights. Even on a budget quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm curious about competition uh, amongst illustrators and cartoonists and how you actually go about finding work how did you get your first client and how do you maintain kind of a roster of clients do you get an agent do you have an agent uh what is the kind of right way to kind of start building up your portfolio and getting clients um that's a very good question uh i do currently i've just got an agent not for editorial illustration which is kind of how i make um most of my uh income uh, but for, for children's books, cause I, children's picture books, mm-hmm. um, cause I, I think that that would be exciting to, to start doing, um, in kind of the, the, my career arc was that I went to school for comics and, uh, I got a, uh, contract to do a, um, a publishing deal to do a, a kid's graphic novel, uh, pretty much right out of school. That's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was was exciting. Um, You know, again, with the the business side of things, I, uh, you know, it was a contract. It felt like an insane amount of money. Uh, I think that they, (laughs) I don't know, it's embarrassing. It's like, we'll give you $18,000 for a two book contract. And I was like, $18,000. That sounds incredible. Oh my God. (laughs) Not realizing like what, like, that's not enough if it takes you two years, you know, oh. or however long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and um, so that was uh, a really great opportunity. Uh, and I'm really, really proud of the book. And I still get fan mail from kids for the book, which is like, oh, my gosh, it uh, it's the most wonderful thing in the world to, to hear from kids who are excited about about uh um, this book that I made. Um, but it wasn't a sustainable career path for me because I wasn't able to work fast enough. Uh, basically with book work, you'd have to work 
fast enough. So like you were saying before, like your hourly rate works out to not being $2 an hour or whatever. Yeah. To be able to be making over minimum wage. Um, and so I went from that to, and I got really depressed, you know, honestly, and, um, was kind of like, I don't think this is for me. This wasn't the right path for my life. And, uh, I wound up getting a job at a, um, a hippie co-op and, uh, just doing that for a couple years and, and sort of, I stopped trying to make, uh, art be my career. And I, I just was doing personal work. Um, I did like a, uh, I joined a puppetry troupe and I, I did a lot of graffiti, oh, wow. uh, artwork and I, I did like a, um, art gallery show, uh, and, and it was during that period that I was more able to find my personal voice and I was posting it online and I can't emphasize enough how important it is to be online, mm-hmm. even though it can be kind of stressful. Uh, you know, you have to put your work out there. You have to have a professional looking website. Um, hopefully not just a, a Tumblr where you're also reblogging other people's stuff, but like a place that's all your own work, uh, and yeah, so I was putting my stuff out there and, uh, I just got a call from the New York times, uh, this really amazing art director named Aviva Mikolov, who just takes a lot of chances on, uh, on young artists and on artists who haven't necessarily done illustration work before. Um, and, uh, that was my first job for the times. And, um, and then after that, I, I kept getting more illustration work until a couple, uh, years after that, I was able to, uh, quit my part-time job at the co-op and, and, uh, do illustration full-time. And then, and then it's been pretty self-sustaining. Um, for me, I, I continue to get work, uh, based on, again, based on the personal work that I've done and, and our director seeing my stuff around and seeing it online and, and having a pretty large Twitter following. Um, but then, and I, I mentioned this in, uh, when we were emailing about doing this show together, yeah. uh, something that I'm, um, has really impacted my career is that I did, uh, inherit some money from my grandparents and that's been an incredible, it's meant that I've been able to take professional risks and there's, you know, there's very little job security and it's just super duper risky. And I think especially in the U S um, where there, we don't have proper health insurance mm-hmm. uh, and, or, or very much of a social safety net whatsoever. Uh, being a f- choosing to try to become a, a commercial artist or a freelance um, artist is a very crazy thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and for me, it was a lot less scary because I had this nest egg, you know, so I was still, uh, definitely, uh, trying to support myself, but I wasn't, um, I knew that I had something to fall back on. Yeah. Uh, and that was something that I've always been really secretive about, uh, cause I'm, I'm not proud of it. Uh, but just the older I've gotten, and it, honestly, it was, it was you asking me to be on this podcast that made me realize that I need to start, 
being more honest about it because um, that was, you know, it's always been something that I've had in my back pocket uh, that that I know that um, other illustrators, uh, other freelancers haven't had. Yeah. Uh, and other young people don't have. And I, I hate the idea uh, that because we're so secretive about money um, and America is so uh, money-oriented and so success-oriented mm-hmm. uh, that people uh, expect more of themselves uh, and are, are feel frustrated because they're not making it the way that they wish that they were, mm-hmm. uh, when really it's that they haven't had the economic opportunities, um, or the social opportunities that, that, uh, maybe some of their peers have had. Yeah. All right. So finally to wrap up the podcast, uh, the final two questions I ask everyone is what's the best advice you've ever received and what is the worst advice you've ever received? I remember, uh, um, a college professor teaching a life drawing class. Um, and when you do life drawing, a lot of the, you know, I, myself included, a lot of people like do a whole lot of scribbly little lines, mm-hmm. uh, is just sort of building up the, the figure. And, uh, for some reason, this professor was, was, uh, really against that. And he's, he would say, don't draw the wrong line, draw the right line, <laughs> which is so, uh, so impossible sounding, you know, yeah. when you're doing a drawing and you're like, what the hell is the right line? You know, how do I know? Um, but I don't know, for some reason it's been a, a, a helpful little piece of advice. I, I guess kind of cause I think it's funny cause it is so impossible feeling, but when I'm drawing, I often think like, you know, what's the right line? It's, it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's, a. Uh, it feels like it's always over the horizon, the search for the right line. Mm. Do you Don't draw, draw the, the right line now? Sometimes, sometimes I draw the right line and when you draw the right line, it feels so good. You know, it feels really magic. Uh, it feels, I, I'm, have never played baseball. Uh, I'm terrible at sports, <laughs> but I imagine it feels like you know, hitting a home run or something, you know, just this feeling of a perfectly arcing, beautiful line. It does exactly what you want it to do. Oh. Exactly what it's supposed to do. Um, yeah. So that's, that's advice that could be potentially crippling, but for some reason, <laughs> <laughs> for some reason it, it uh, I felt like it was very inspiring to me. Fair and enough. the worst advice I ever got, I guess that the advice I would give to, to, especially young people starting out in illustration. Um, there's, I feel like there's a lot of pressure to find your, or at least when I was young, uh, there's a lot of pressure to find your style, uh, and a lot of, um, kind of pressure to, to think about what art directors want, mm-hmm. uh, think about what your client might want, like anticipate that. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'd say that that's bad advice. Don't, don't think about what other people want from your art. Uh, that can, that can come later. Um, your first job is to, to really think about what you want from your artwork and what moves you 
and makes you excited and speaks to you, you know, what you feel passionately about. Um, I think that if, if you focus on that, uh, then, then you'll be making your best work. Uh, and if you're making your best work, you'll, you'll be making work that, that other people are going to be, see and get excited about as well. Um, yeah, so that's kind of, that's, that's, that's a little tricky because you, you know, if it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough gig. It's a tough hustle. You do eventually need to think about, uh, you know, people pleasing and, and, uh, doing the things that, that the art directors want to see. But, but, uh, don't think about that too much when you're starting out and don't think about it when you're developing, leave it, leave it for a little later. That's Perfect advice, I think, or perfect bad advice. <laughs> That's so good because I think you're right. People will get preoccupied with what other people expect from them. And I mean, I'm like I said, I'm not an artist or an illustrator in any way, but I've definitely felt the pressure to create something for other people, mm. um, especially when it comes to my personal work where that pressure feels like no if I have this particular person on or this particular person or if I create this one thing for this particular person uh that will get me further along but then I have no real identity and I'm almost indistinguishable from what everyone else is doing and um yeah getting to that point where you just actually create what you want is really important so yeah yeah, don't don't curtail to pressure it's really good really good advice um so yeah thank you so much Eleanor this has been so much fun (laughs) it's been so much fun for me too ah so much good stuff in there and there's so much more I'll have to create a bonus episode from it to find out more about Eleanor you can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at squink yellow which is s-q-u-i-n-k-y-e-l-o and you can find her work on doing-fine.com this podcast is created by the Shoutout Network find out more about membership by visiting shoutoutnetwork.co.uk follow us on Twitter and Instagram via at wannabe podcast share this episode with your arty friend and leave a review on iTunes to get extended show notes listing the tools resources and books that we've mentioned in this episode visit wannabepodcast.com signing out bye hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.